Monday morning meetings, Monday morning meetings. I know this sounds crazy, but there's like two years that I stopped meeting with people. Like I met, but I met sporadically. And I met here on Tuesdays, they sent me an invite. When I implemented Monday morning meetings back into my company, I probably, it's one of the smartest things I ever did. Let me tell you why. Because it was an organized time where the people on my team had the opportunity to have a voice. I think sometimes, especially when companies, uh, CEOs are like, they're not in crisis mode, but they're definitely feeling a little all over the place. They tend to be the only one with a voice in the company. So they're constantly going like this. They're going like this, but they don't really take the time to actually to dissect. Here we go again. I feel like every time I have something, something important to tell you, the train's like, oh, no, you don't. So here is the Phoenix train. It's the daily tea with the train. It is the daily tea with the train. Say that. That is correct. Um, but there was this period of time where I was watching a lot of my clients with their teams and they were having like one directional conversations trying to grow. They'd be like, okay, company team, we need to do all these things. And then what they do is they would go put the, put the message out. They would get a little bit of feedback and they would get it from the manager, from this person. So these one-sided conversations weren't in a pool. And what happens is that emotions get lost, objectives get lost. And when you're all over the place, the last thing you need is for anything you want to have happen or the energy of whatever is happening to get lost. Put it in a container. So a Monday morning meeting is a container. It is the easiest way for you to bring everybody at all the levels to the same playing field so that they feel like they're part of a collective. They know that they have a voice and it is probably the best time for you to shut up and let everybody else just talk. I, um, I know how easy it is to get there and be like, okay, this is the objectives. And sometimes I do that too. But when I realize I'm like off on a tangent, not off on a tangent, but like I'm talking about all the ideas and all the things, you know what I do? I shut up. I extend the meeting for 45 minutes and I just start asking questions because it's important to hear the other people, even if whatever they have to say is not useful to what the meeting is about. Just listen to what other people have to say. Communication is important, but communication has gotten lost through things like Discord, Slack, talking through text messages, talking through DMs, uh, internal IM chats and things like that. In, in a company, nothing can replace just dialogue and talking and being together. One of the things that I relish the most about my team today and any team that I've ever been had the luxury of being in front of is that like everybody loves like we we like being there. Like we're we're happy to talk to each other. You know, we're happy to talk to each other. We're happy to laugh to each other. You cannot do that through emails, Zoom meetings, uh, dial, uh, you know, instant messages on Google platforms. You can't do that through Slack or Discord. So for every company who's like, oh, no, we have great communication. You have great communication talking about all the things related to the project, talking about all the things related to the objective, to the planning, to the this. What about that joke that was so funny that everybody needs to laugh in on? You know that in my company today, you can't even get hired unless you can crack your own good joke. It's actually in our employment. Like you can, if you can't cr crack your own good joke and make everybody laugh, you're not even going to work here. And we don't want you, no matter how many skills you have. It's useless to me and my team. It's useless to me and my team because we're a collective. And when we come to work, whether it's a good day, bad day, pressure's on, pressure's off, it doesn't matter. You, we've got to be able to laugh, but we have to have like a belly laugh, the kind of laugh that you feel here and you're going, ah, ha, ha, you know? If it's just like a chuckle, 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 it's like, get out of here. Go work next door. Go to Starbucks is hiring. Go to Dunkin' Donuts or something. That's literally how I feel. I, and me included. I have to be able to crack a good joke, even if I'm sick, even if I'm not happy, even if we owe money, 
even if there are problems, if we messed up all of the above. So that is it. That is the best and most thing I could tell you in this moment of the daily tea. It's like go company meetings, meet in person, connect, sit and make it a must so that you can find out what's really happening in your company and you can actually make a real change that will last and change something. Don't get disconnected for two years like I tried to. Mm -mm. Don't get disconnected for five minutes like I did. Whoa. So here's the other thought. Wait, I have one more thought. So in this, let me tell you, you know, the other day I was reading something and uh, it was talking about like serving people, serving the people in your company is the easiest way for you to find out what's happening, what's not happening. And I really believe that. And I was thinking to myself, yeah, but if I send out a survey and the survey's like, how much do you like your job, right? Yes or no is the option. How much of an answer are you going to get? If you're the employer, your answers better all be yes. If not, that's bad, right? So nobody's going to answer you correctly. These bogus surveys that are inside of some of the surveys are good. Let me not discredit all of them, but a lot of them, they're just like, they're just almost, um, they're like fillers. Imagine if you were to do a real survey where you brought everybody into your office. Like that's how I did it. So in the month of July, we had a tough July. And we had a tough July because I overlooked something and a lot of things hit the fan and I'm responsible. I'm the CEO, right? There's no way out of this thing. But the truth of the matter is that I brought everybody in front of me one by one and I started having these private conversations. Now, before I had the big meeting, I had preliminary meetings that were to the big meeting and I just asked the same questions. I asked questions and let them talk. I asked questions and let them talk. The things that I responded with were like... Um, qualifying questions. You know, like if they said something that I didn't really get, I would ask a qualifying question. What was great about that is that it allowed me to get a collective and a census for what the problems were, what the challenges were. And then I called a meeting, but I didn't just call one meeting. I basically like, I, I realize I did this now. I don't think I realized it then, but I, I definitely put everybody, I almost shut us down for like a week. Um, even though we attended to emails and stuff, like I indirectly shut us down for a week. And we just sat and I asked hard questions. What are the hardest questions you could ask your team right now? Or even ask yourself, because first I had to ask myself. Asking myself these questions are really hard. Like I, you ask yourself questions and then you don't really ask yourself the questions because you don't want to hear the answer. But as a leader, I knew that I knew that I knew that I had to start asking myself hard questions. If you're willing to ask a couple of hard questions... If you're willing to ask a couple of hard questions, then it'll be really easy for you to get the hard answer, but the hard answer gets the result. So here are a couple of hard questions, okay? Here are questions you could ask right now. Number one would be like, um, where do you feel that we suck the most? <laughs> where do we suck the most? Sounds crazy, but not like where can we improve? You ask that soft question, ain't nobody gonna answer you correctly. Where do we suck the most? That's like question number one. Question number two would be like, um, what do you feel like is the number one thing this year that we did that we could have done better? The next thing I would say is um, probably where do you feel, what do you feel is not being attended? Like what do you feel like is actually not being managed or handled correctly in our company? That was a tough question for me, but I knew the answer, but I, heard, I got one to hear the other answer. Um, uh, number four is how could I help you? How can I support you better? How can I support you better? How can I be more useful to you? Because, you know, I think CEOs have this part of the world twisted. 
you believe like CEOs, especially, you know, I've, I've now coached so many CEOs, black, white, female, female around the world um, of $40 million to $40,000, uh, $400,000, I'll say $400,000 is that. And I'm going to tell you the truth is everybody's got it twisted. Like every CEO, almost every has it twisted. The employee doesn't work for you. You work for the employee. I know this sounds crazy, but they are your first customer. It sounds wild, but your team is your first customer, very first customer, most important customer. So it's like we think that we work for them and them equally when the truth is we work for our team here and then we work for the customer out in the market. You get that formula like right, man, it's like. So when it came to that meeting, I didn't sit down and go, how could you? Why didn't we? Ah, I tried to understand where did I fail my first customer? Because if I could figure out where I failed my first customer, I'd pull up the process and then find the resources. Even if it took me a little longer, I'm going to find the right resources because I don't want to lose customers and lose team. That's not fun for me. But it's not because I don't want to lose team because... And, I, and I'm going to challenge everybody to think differently about what they're building because it's not that I want to, I don't want to lose team because we have to start over again. I don't want to lose team because I made a promise to the team member and I like the person. Like I want to be with them in our future in some capacity. And, and like if you can think beyond your dollars and think beyond your bottom line and think beyond whatever is in front of you and you could stick to like what are you building, not just in this business, but in your life. Like, I, I think there's every single employee I've hired probably in the last 15 years, I could still invite to a Christmas party and they'd still invite me to a Christmas party and have a gift for me under the tree. You get what I'm saying? Like, not just invite me. I want you to think about that. Can you say the same for yourself? You should. Being a great leader is not like this part of the game is not necessarily about just dollars and cents. It's about not having to build twice. And if you can build in the hearts of people and have them build with you, regardless of what they're doing in their lives, man, you're going to like you'll be rich beyond measure because it's going to be richness far past dollars. I'm done for today. I got so much stuff on my desk I got to go do. And more importantly, I have hard questions that I got to go ask. I'm about to pick up the phone and call 40.